Drivers of a certain make of vehicles in Seattle have had their radios locked to one station. A hearing is being set for an AM station that's been silent for years. Some NCE applicants are being given more time to settle their conflicts and some thoughts on the quality of some applications and how the FCC should deal with it. All that and more coming up. REC, FCC Today, Beachy Bradley. This is FCC Today, the podcast for Thursday, February 10, 2022. The only station you'll ever need. The only station you'll ever need. Turn it on and rip the knob off. You're listening to the radio. Rip off the knob and beat on the dash. During totalitarian regimes, the only legal radios people could own were those that were locked to one frequency. In this day and age, Christian ministries such as Sunset Solutions in Elkhart, Indiana, who I've had the privilege of visiting a few years ago, manufacture single frequency radios for distribution by missionaries into third world countries to pick up religious broadcasts. Now imagine if your car radio was all of a sudden stuck on one station And you could not change it. Now, I'm not talking about where the string breaks and you can't use the slide rule dial. I'm talking about modern CarPlay systems. Seattle Times is reporting on a major snafu that is impacting Puget Sound Mazda car owners. Listeners to public radio station KUOW were finding out that after they listened to the station in their car, their Mazda infotainment system started to malfunction and now... Now, there's no way to change to a different station. According to Mazda, the problem seems to be a case where KUOW may have sent an image file on either the HD radio station logo service or artist experience that did not have a file extension. According to Xperi, the HD radio folks, station logos can be PNG or JPEG files, 200 by 200 pixels and have a maximum file size of 24 kilobytes the hd radio station logo service sends the logo to the radio receiver once every 15 minutes in the bitstream mazda says that they have sent service alerts to their dealers that impacted customers should contact their dealers who can submit a goodwill request to the mazda warranty department on their behalf to order the parts and schedule a free repair when the parts arrive. This problem seems to affect the 2014 to 2017 model years. The part, a connectivity master unit, cost about $1,500 and is currently not available. With supply chain and chip shortage issues, we'll see how this works out. On Wednesday, the FCC has announced that they will be unreserving about 25 allotments on the FM table of allotments to allow them to be used commercially. In the past, the FCC would allow a channel in the 92 to 108 FM band to be reserved if it could be shown that the channel would provide first educational service to a significant population And there were no other channels available in the 88 to 92 reserve band because of spectrum crowding or because of channel six, where these days with digital, there's a lot fewer of those stations. This means that those allotments will eventually become available in a future auction.
The FCC has designated the renewal of KPCQAM Chubbuck, Idaho, for hearing. At issue is the operational history of the station. According to the hearing designation order, KPCQ was silent for 80% of its four-year initial license term. Under the process, the application would go before an administrative law judge to determine whether the station has served the public interest, convenience, and necessity, as well as to determine if the station came up during the short breaks of their silent period when they were allegedly on the air or whether the license should have expired by matter of law. Licensee Snake River Radio LLC has 20 days to respond with its intention to appear at the hearing. A $1,000 dinger has been issued to Scarborough Radio LLC. This relates to the late filing of a long-form construction permit application for an Auction 109 FM station in Hugo, Colorado. Scarborough's application was filed 17 days late. In response, Scarborough stated that they are a first-time auction participant, and after working with staff on the long-form application, he thought nothing else needed to be done. The FCC dropped the forfeiture amount from $3,000, stating that the violation was minor, did not undermine the auction, and it was in the public interest to add a new FM station in Hugo, Colorado. A $3,500 dinger has been issued to Unity Broadcasting for FM translator W264DV, Kissimmee, Florida. In this case, the permit was due to expire on November 27, 2021. However, Unity claims that there were complications surrounding permitting issues with the city of Orlando, as well as COVID-related health issues with the president of Unity Broadcasting. The license to cover was not filed until January 21st. The adjusted $3,500 forfeiture is for failure to file a required form and for unauthorized operation for the period from November 27th through January 21st. A $7,000 dinger has been issued to Magnolia State Broadcasting Incorporated, licensee of WMOXAM, Meridian, Mississippi. In this case, no renewal was filed by the license expiration date and the license expired on June 1, 2020. On June 5th, the licensee requested reinstatement of the station license, which was treated as a petition for reconsideration and was granted. The renewal application was then filed on September 25th, 2021. The licensee never requested special temporary authority for the period following the expiration of the station license. The $7,000 forfeiture is for failure to file a required form and for unauthorized operation. In the post-NCE window aftermath, the FCC has granted some MX groups until March 7 to reach settlement agreements. These extensions were at the request of several MX groups who were still in negotiation by the end of the January 28th deadline. Of course, once this deadline passes, we'll see how long it takes for the FCC to make the first comparative review. If the FCC follows the same process like they did in 2007, they will start with the very cut and dry fair distribution cases first. After the 2007 window, it took the FCC just over a year to get to that first comparative review. Now, this window 
was a lot different than that one. In 2007, there were over 3,600 applications filed, and the FCC was also working some fallout from applications that were filed under previous rules before the filing window. In comparison, the FCC received 1,282 applications in this window. The previous window response was so big, they had to release three different lists of mutually exclusive applicants. The first list, which included MX groups with two to four applicants, had more MX groups than the 231 that we had in the 2021 window. For 2013 LPFM, it took the FCC about eight months from the close of the window to get to the first list of tentative selectees. LPFM had about twice as many MX groups as this window did. With all of this, it may be safe to say that the FCC could come out with the first threshold review maybe as soon as June or July. We think that this first group of tentative selectees will include those that have their fair distribution claims in multiple communities, and the decision on the tentative selectee is cut and dry. We started with 231 MX groups, of which 71 have been dissolved. So that leaves us with 160 groups, of which 44 of them can be resolved just on fair distribution status alone, not even having to resort to comparing populations. Now, let's, let's let the FCC work this out. Give staff the space they need. We have posted information on the REC window tool about how they're scoring. The sooner they can get this done, the sooner we can get grants, and the sooner we could have an LPFM window. For the past week, REC has conducted an audit of all the applications that will be decided through the point system. These likely will be the ones to be worked on last. During the audit, we looked at the exhibits and based on how the public notice was written and some informal non-binding consultations with staff, we adjusted the predicted scores on the likelihood of the staff denying the local presence or diversity points. One of the big issues we're going to see is with the diversity points. Many applicants did not include the specific statement that the public notice wanted, and we deducted for that. However, at the same time, I feel the audio division staff needs to give some leeway to those who did not include the diversity statement, but it is clearly obvious by other entries on the application that the applicant does not have any attributable interests in any other stations. For the sake of not penalizing less experienced new entrants, I hope the FCC does take that into consideration. Legal staff did tell me that for missing land area population claims on the application, they will seek out the data in the exhibits. I hope they do something similar for those applicants with no other attributable interests. FCC Today. FCC Today, the podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, and other places where you can get podcasts. Write us with your questions or comments at FCCToday at RECnet.com. See the activity of the Media Bureau in real time at FCC.today. This has been a production of REC Networks, always on at RECnet.com. I'm Michelle Bradley, SPE Certified Broadcast Technologist. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you soon. REC. REC.